There was an old man who, uh, he's lived in the back bush his entire life. He's never come out. He's not gone to a big city, but now he's in a big city and he has to be there because his brother is dying. And so he's gone down to the hospital to go visit his brother and the whole thing is a new and a foreign experiment for him. So he's got some of his, well, the family has come down for the visit. It's obviously not not this week kind of thing. This is, this is a, from the past. And the, uh, they're, they're waiting in the lobby to, to figure out where to go. So they're waiting for the elevator. And this is all new to this man. And so he sees kind of an old, haggard, um, stooped over woman step into an elevator. And then the, the doors closes, right? She disappears. And a moment or two later, they're still waiting in the lobby. And the door opens. And out of the elevator comes this young, beautiful, vivacious, smiling, gorgeous woman. And he's kind of shocked and he turns and he yells to his youngest son, who's kind of across the lobby, Billy, go get your mother. Victor, I needed the rim shot there. Uh, We all have this idea that getting change. We'd like it to happen the way we'd like it and the speed we'd like it to happen. And because we're in this scenario now where we're uh, even starting to talk about the the loosening of the uh, restrictions, the quarantine is not going to be as tight, or maybe it should be, and there's debate about that. We kind of don't like being where we are, and we could think of that as being in in what we call spiritually quite frequently is a desert experience. And we are in the desert, and we all have this longing to be delivered from the desert. Sort of like the people of Israel, they're wandering around in the desert, but they're longing for God to take them to the promised land, take me to the next place, get me out of here. And so that deliverance from the desert actually comes through dependence on God. And we we kind of recognize that to a degree, like we we want someone to tell us the news that there's been change, but we realize that the only power that can really impact that change is actually God, moving by the power of His Spirit to transform this world. So we want to get out of the desert, and we begin to focus our thoughts and our hearts and our minds sort of on that pursuit. Get me out of the desert. Get me out of the desert. I've got, how do I get out of here? How do I change? How do I make this thing better so that I can get to where I want to go? Now, when we're in the desert, here's one of the things that you really want to be able to hold on to. We want to get out of the desert. God wants us to get something out of the desert. If we're here anyways, we didn't didn't choose that part, right? But if we're here anyways, then we are supposed to be getting something out of this time. And that is what God is enabling us Um, attempting to give us this opportunity that we can choose to come out of the desert with something. We can learn something. We can grow through this time. And so it is so important to drop the label that we first put on things that's called good or bad because it, it interferes with what simply is. So instead of trying to decide of is this good or is this bad, what we want to do is focus on where we are right now. This is where we're going to live. And to not worry so much about labeling it, but to worry more about learning from it. What is it that I'm 
learning? What is it that I can grow through? What is it that I can take from this experience and carry with me forward so that hopefully I will not need to learn this lesson again? Many of these lessons are not pleasant to learn. They're very beneficial once they're learned, but not pleasant in the learning. So what we want to be able to do is grab what we've been given, this opportunity to learn, and take it with us for when we leave. The what is is a much better focus than, than where is what I would prefer. And when we focus on where is what I would prefer, what we do is not live now. We try to keep living somewhere else. And that living somewhere else um, holds us back from learning the lesson that we're supposed to be learning, and it also makes us discontent with where we are here. So the, the argument for good or bad, it slows us down in the process of actually living well and living wisely. We focus our attention on a label that really doesn't matter because it's where we are. It, it doesn't really matter if it's good or bad. This is where we are, and we must learn how to live wisely and well in this time. So in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, this it comes in, in mid-sentence or, or mid-thought, but here is the idea. I wanted to condense it down for you. So son though he was, speaking of Jesus, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So Jesus learns something important through his suffering. And part of what he learned that was important was obedience. Last time we talked about the new covenant, last time we talked about how Jesus was beseeching. That's, it's such a good word because we don't really use it as much because... Uh, it speaks of about a heart connection with God. God, please release me from where I am. God, if there's any other way that we can go, then I want to go that way, but then not my will. Yours be done. So he's beseeching. And in that time, he's learning an obedience to God. And through that, he is met by God. And through that, he fulfills the plan of God. And through that, God transforms the entire world through him. We don't see what's on the other side. We don't, we don't get to see the whole package in the moment. So in our culture, it, it hasn't been since World War II that, that North Americans, that the, that the Western world sort of in general, has really experienced any sort of real widespread suffering and sacrifice. And if that's where we are right now, it is certainly not an enormous level of sacrifice that most of us are making. The, this is like the first time it's been so many years that most of us who are alive have no idea what it was like to experience widespread suffering and sacrifice. And part of the function of the church has always been, but has been neglected more recently, to allow people the formative privilege of sitting with and in the suffering of Christ. And that's why we try to always have a Monday, Thursday, Good Friday kind of feel that we just came out of, like around the Easter season. It's not just woohoo, resurrection. That's not the whole point. There was this time of disorientation, of, of 
real loss and pain and suffering and I don't know what's going to come and that's not what I expected. Everything went wrong. There was betrayal. There was hurt. There was physical cruelty. God, how come? How are you, God, in the midst of this? And that was such an important time for the early church to decide who they were going to be and it's such an important time for us to decide how we're going to relate with God. Because it's not just us, it's how we relate with God. And so that's why we have a time like Good Friday, so we can focus, we can learn to sit in that time. We can learn to sit with Christ in suffering. It's not simply about, I want this to be gone, I want this to be over, I want to be on the other side. It's how do we sit in this moment, in this time? How do we sit in that with Christ and his suffering and experience those kinds of things. Ben, I'm missing you here, Ben. Today, enough stuff went wrong. Ben, we could have used your help today. So just a shout out to Ben on that one. His presence is our ultimate provision. So sitting with Christ is an experience of the presence of Jesus himself by the power of the Spirit. It's not merely what we want from his hand. See, normally we think of the provision as what God is going to give me. I'm praying for what I think that I need. God, get me out of the desert. God, get me through this bad time. God, make the pain stop. God, make good things happen for me. That's normally what we pray for. But in a time of hardship, in a desert, we are able to, we have given, been given opportunity to come to the place where we can understand the ultimate provision, the most important, the most significant thing we can get is actually the presence of God, not just the thing that we were praying for. So our founder, uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson, he wrote a hymn called Himself, and this was a moment that he had where everything transformed for him, that he used to say, I used to seek the gift, now the giver own." That's what I want. Instead of just wanting what God can do for me, I want the presence of God for me. That's what I want, and that's what changes things. That's what enables me to be able to see and experience life in a way that other people say, do you, do you even see what's going on around you? And you say, yes, I do, but there's more than what you saw in the service. See if you can figure out who said this, okay? This is a famous passage and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where it's from at the end, but see if you can recognize it, and it reverberates within you. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's Philippians 4, 12, 13, when Paul's talking about the different things that he has had to go through. He recounts some of his sufferings and those challenges that he was in, and he recognizes in that time the ability to endure, not just tolerate, but to live a life, and to live a life that's still characterized by generosity, and an experience of joy is not going to be founded on circumstances. 
It's not going to be focused on the new thing. It's not going to be focused on just getting what I want. It's going to be experiencing the presence of God in whatever moment it is that you were in. This is profound spirituality, and it speaks of maturity. Blaise Pascal, famous mathematician, but also a Christian man, said a number of things as he explored what it was like to be with Christ, in Christ, to grow in this kind of way. Think about what he said here. The sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to sit quietly in his room. And I can tell you for me, that as I was preparing and thinking about this, that was a huge conviction for me as I kept trying to find something to break the silence. I kept trying to find things that occupied me, that entertained me, something I could do, something I could watch, something I could write, something I could work on, something that I could avoid sitting silently and experiencing. And what's funny to me is this has been a growing edge in my life that, I don't know, through circumstances, I stopped growing in. I, I I was dedicated and committed to this for 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 years and it faded off and in this week I I was reminded uh, I I was sensing my own lack of spiritual connection the the lack of energy or vitality that was there and because my circumstances had changed because things were different and I was thinking there's a dryness there's something that's not there and I can recognize it but I couldn't identify it and then I read that and I went Oh my goodness. That's a message for me. So if no one else needs to hear this today, this is a message for me. One key indicator that we are maturing in Jesus, growing in our connection with him, is that our prayer life has shifted from talking to listening. How are you doing with that? Maybe, maybe this is the season right now that it's, it's even hard to pray at all. For, forget about listening prayer. I can't even do talking prayer. I can't even come around to it. I'm struggling to get grace done before a meal, to pause and have an intentional moment of thanks before I eat. Because I focus on what I'm not thankful for, but then I feel like I'm obligated to say that I'm thankful for something. So thank you for the hands that provided. Thank you for the hands that made this food. But somewhere in there, there is at least a measure of the practice of gratitude and perspective. How can we grow closer to Christ? One of the ways we can do it is to engage in a time of prayer that is more listening than talking, more starting with God, please speak to me, and then letting Him speak instead of cutting out the silence. So I have a spiritual exercise for you. It's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie about that. It will be challenging for you. But sometime this week, sometime this week, choose, work at, create, make for yourself 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes 
of silence and solitude. If it works with you at the same time, make it the three S's. Stillness, silence, solitude. Not just I'm not with someone, but an intentional time of spiritual pursuit. We say on this road trip, we are in earnest pursuit of Christ. And one of the things about being in pursuit means you have to do something sometimes. And if you're, if you're in a rut, then you need to, to do something to get out of your rut. You need to look for something new, something different. How can I try this? And so solitude, silence, stillness, 10 minutes. It will be hard. Everything will work against this scenario. A truck will come by, the phone will ring, a kid will scream, there, something is going to happen. So what can you do to try and control as many of those circumstances as possible? And please don't start it by yelling at everyone to just be quiet! Silence. Stillness. Solitude. In earnest pursuit of Christ, we go forward. Let's try it together this week, and I'll check on you next week to see how you've done. Thanks.